Welcome to Broad Gauge Gossips, the podcast where you can learn about the faculty of the Department of Military History in the U.S. Army Command and General Staff College. The views expressed in this podcast are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the Department of the Army, Department of Defense, or U.S. Government. Hello, we are here today with Professor Dr. John Hosler, who is the medievalist here at the Department of Military History at CGSC. So tell me about your background, your educational background, where you're from. Well, I'm from all over the place. I was born in Pennsylvania, but only lived there for a year and a half, and then we proceeded to move to several different states, in the, um, mostly in the Great Lakes region. And so I graduated from high school in northern Minnesota, in Duluth, Minnesota, and then went to college in Ames, Iowa at Iowa State University and spent seven years in central Iowa uh, doing my bachelor's degree and my master's degrees, um, double major in English and history, and then a master's in English and a master's in history. Uh, And so at that point, when I was finished in 2001, had to make a decision, do I pursue history or do I pursue English because I had a master's in both of them. Uh, And so I made the decision to pursue history and went to the University of Delaware in Newark, Delaware to pursue a PhD in European history uh, with an emphasis on medieval warfare. And so I went east, drove two days and moved into my new place and uh, and spent four years there working on my PhD and then defending it in the uh, spring of 2005. And my time spent there uh, was interesting. It was, you know, it was a different place where I'd kind of grown up in Minnesota, Iowa, you know, spent a lot of time. Uh, being out east was definitely different with its access uh, and its crowds and its different sort of lifestyles and cultures. And, um, but really enjoyed myself and had some great advisors there and ended up writing a dissertation on the military career of King Henry II of England. That was the focus of my studies. And then studying all kinds of other areas of um, medieval history, medieval church history, and medieval warfare at the same time. When I was finished with my PhD, I was very fortunate because academia is such a brutal employment landscape. It has been for a long time. I was incredibly fortunate to get a tenure track job coming right out and was able to, uh, to move from Delaware just right down the street to Baltimore, Maryland. It was about a one and a half hour drive to a place called Morgan State University which is a historically black university in city of Baltimore in Maryland. And I was, went on the tenure track as a new assistant professor of history there. And at Morgan State, I spent some time teaching a whole bunch of different courses. Uh, as you do at a sort of a mid-level state university, faculty have a lot of responsibilities of what they have to teach. A lot of it was the world history sequence, world history one, world history two. Uh, which means you're teaching most continents of the world for at least a little bit, and it's very interesting work um, to big student populations, you know, three, four classrooms a semester at 35, 40 students, depending on on numbers that year. Uh, But also some upper-level courses whenever I had the chance uh, and the student population to do it. My specialty on medieval warfare, uh, the history of England, historiography, the ancient world, ancient warfare, and then graduate courses in North African military history um, and, and areas like that. As Our department was very heavily oriented on, on history of the African world, and so that's kind of where I fit in 
with my knowledge of the Roman Africa, the Crusades, those sort of conflict zones, teaching pre-modern North African military history, and then extending it into Egypt and, and, the, um, and the Levant as well. And that did that all the way up until 2017, uh, when I had an interview with the Army here at Fort Leavenworth, and they extended me a job offer. And although I had been at Morgan at that point for 12 years, um, had just made full professor, had tenure, so you're basically talking about the lifetime job security at the highest academic rank, uh, the point where you can really start to bring some change to an organization, maybe, or at least try. Um, I decided to, to leave that, to resign, and to come out to Fort Leavenworth, Kansas, uh, to work for the Army. And so I've been out here since 2017, and I'm just now starting my, um, my fifth year here at um, Command and General Staff College. Okay. What all do you work on? What areas do you research and uh, where are you kind of headed with your research? So I'm interested in medieval warfare sort of writ large. Uh, I'll work across the period. It's about a thousand years of history. So I've written before on 6th century, on uh, 11th century, the 12th century, even on the 15th century. I'll kind of range depending on where my interest is. Uh, and that sort of bounces because I'm, I'm the type of scholar where I'll work on something for two, three, four years and then kind of get bored with it and need to move on to something else. So I started, as I mentioned, with my dissertation, which I turned into my first book, The Military Career of Henry II of England. So that's history of English warfare, warfare in Scotland, Wales, Ireland, warfare with France, uh, bringing in a little bit of Scandinavia, but Northwestern Europe. After doing that, I got interested in source work in that period and ended up writing kind of an elaborate historiographical book on a military writer named John of Salisbury, who, was, who wrote about a lot of things besides warfare, but, but also wrote about warfare. Uh, and that kind of got me deeper into the intellectual history of Northwest Europe uh, and extended me a little bit down into the affairs of Italy. Uh, after that, I took an interest in the Italian Renaissance. I'm not sure why. I just got interested in it one day. And so I developed another field in Renaissance humanism and Renaissance warfare and ended up the big project on Niccolo Machiavelli's Art of War um, and its relationship to its medieval predecessors, making the argument that Renaissance military theory wasn't really as original as most people think. It's, in fact, not really original at all. Um, and so that diverted me for a while into Italian things. I was looking at at, um, at plays, at poems, rereading Dante and Boccaccio and some of these uh, lit pieces that I hadn't really dealt with since my literature days. Uh, and after that, it took a weird turn into something I had always studied at, I'd studied at the undergraduate level and at the graduate level taking classes on it, uh, but I never really researched it before, and that was the Crusades, warfare in the medieval Latin East. And that led to um, a book on the Siege of Acre in the 1180s, um, a lot of research into Saladin, Richard the Lionheart, Philip Augustus, sort of these famous characters on the Third Crusade. And along the way found that I was as interested, if not more, in the warfare of the not necessarily the Northwestern rulers, which if you study English history, you kind of know about Richard the Lionheart and Philip and what they're doing on the battlefield. Uh, but really what was going on on the, on the Muslim side of affairs, uh, warfare being exercised by the Egyptians, uh, by the Turks, uh, in the Maghreb, in North Africa, in, um, in the Jazeera, in Mesopotamia, in uh, Anatolia, Asia Minor, 
all these places around the Eastern Mediterranean. And as I mentioned, I had taught grad seminars on them before. I hadn't really invested myself heavily into the research. And, uh, and that's kind of where I find myself now. I'm still attached in some degrees to Northwestern medieval military history. Um, but I find myself much more interested these days in um, cross-cultural warfare. Uh, the Franks against the Turks, the Western Europeans and the Eastern Europeans and Byzantines against the armies of Saladin, against the Egyptians, those sorts of things. And that's where I am today, uh, writing a book about conflict in that area, specifically centered around the city of Jerusalem, uh, the medieval sieges of Jerusalem, which is my, my current big project. Okay. Uh, in addition to the core and AOC courses here at CGSC, what else do you do? I'm lucky to have some electives that fit right within my niche. Uh, one of them is the Deep Roots of Conflict in the Middle East, which is a course that was around when I got here in 2017. And I had an opportunity to, to teach it first when the person who was teaching it, uh, one of our colleagues down the hall, um, retired from the Army and had this, this little gap before he came back for civilian service. And so I, I took the course and taught it. And uh, that's a fun course because when I, I look at the title, I said, well, Deep Roots of Conflict in the Middle East, how deep do we go? I mean, of course, they go back and back and back. And so I decided to go all the way back to King David in the Old Testament. I start with the book of Samuel, and then I cover conflict in the Middle East all the way up until about the year 1500. Uh, and the centerpiece of that course is really the city of Jerusalem, using that as a, as a focus area for where religious conflict between Jews, Muslims, and Christians is, has been the most fierce. So that's one course. Uh, the other course is Warfare in the Age of the Crusades, which is more of an operational level course where we look at uh, primarily the first, second, and third crusades, the run-up to the crusading period, and then modern understanding and reception of the crusades. And we look at the campaigns being run by the crusading armies, the countermeasures taken at the tactical and operational, and even a little at the strategic level by uh, their Muslim opponents, and then the other sort of very complicated interplays where you have the, the Latins on one side, the Muslims on the other side, and then the Byzantines in the middle, and all these other little communities that get involved, such as the Armenians, uh, and we look at the roles they play. And that class allows us to talk things that you generally only think of in, in more modern history courses, but um, multinational coalitions. Of course, there's no nations, but you, know, you have these states and principalities and kingdoms forming coalitions and working together, expeditionary warfare, uh, power projection, uh, these sorts of, um, of issues that we like to kick around in H100 and H400. Uh, but the elective is the opportunity to show the students that, that these are issues that have been around throughout the history of warfare. And even if they didn't have uh, particular ways of talking about things like center of gravity, dime, METC, these things that uh, the officers are very familiar with, those are in operation in earlier periods, and you can see that through the, through the lens of the, of the crusading period. So you've touched on this, but I want to ask you explicitly. Uh, an issue that we pre-modern historians deal with frequently is, all of this happened centuries ago. Why should we bother studying it? What's your answer to that? Right. <laughs> yeah, we deal with that a lot. Um, I, I think because it's as relevant as any other period of warfare. 
I, I think you can look at, you could certainly say, well, okay, well, we're interested in large-scale combat operations. So let's look at World War II because you've got these, these army groups that we can study, right? We have a lot, this, it's as large-scale as it could be. Uh, but that doesn't mean it's the only time that there's large-scale combat operations. There's large-scale operations throughout military history. Um, there are lessons that we draw from modern warfare that can be equally well-drawn from pre-modern warfare. The issues of technological development, of um, discipline, recruitment, mustering armies, moving armies, feeding armies, things that our other departments at CGSC touch on, logistics, sustainment, command and control, leadership, the various uh, tactics we get into uh, with our, um, our brothers and sisters in DTAC, right? Uh, all of those can be talked with pre-modern warfare. What it requires you to do, and this is where they, the, I think the comfort level is different, is um, to put yourself in that time can be more difficult the further back you go. So I think personally what I would say is the hardest thing to do as a historian, the hardest thing is to be able to put yourself in the shoes of someone who lived then and see the world the way they saw it. That's a very hard thing to do. We can do that more easily with something like the Korean War and the Vietnam War because they're they weren't so long ago. Even though they were, they were they were you know gen, a couple generations ago. But it's it's there's helicopters. We know what those are. There's automobiles. We know what an automobile is. They have machine guns. We we know what machine guns are, right? They have um, rank and insignia and uh, merit promotion and all these things that we associate with modern armies, right? They have corps and divisions, you know, brigades, regiments, things that are familiar to us. The older warfare is not as familiar to us, and so it's harder. You have to learn about a different world, and you have to look at that world in a different way. Um, so I think we naturally gravitate to recent things, but I think the, there's a risk there. If we only concentrate on the last 100 years or whatever, however we neck it down, you are potentially missing the wealth of knowledge. And I think it's funny, just I don't want to go on too long here, but you know we teach Clausewitz every year, right? And you sit there and say, if Clausewitz is so important, what is the warfare and what are the influences that Clausewitz is looking at? He's looking at things before his time. And some of it is right before his time, but a lot of it is very long before his time. Uh, and so if it, you know, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. Yeah, and that context and historical empathy are, are both difficult for the, the pre-moderns to kind of work into our lessons. It's one of our challenges. Right. What excites you about what's happening in your field now? I think what's interesting today is if I'm talking about, well, there's, there's two things going on. If I'm talking about medieval military history at large, it is a very vibrant field. It is putting out an enormous, or it's not, it's not putting out, but it's seeing an enormous burst in scholarly and popular activity. Uh, for a long time now, and by that I mean creeping up on 20 years now, um, Lots and lots of books and journal articles, conference talks, popular lectures, this kind of stuff. The field has been growing, uh, if not exponentially, it's been growing at a very rapid clip. Uh, and it's, um, it's been great to see that. There's an awful lot of activity. And recently, this has been moving more into more popular, accessible realms. Um, so there are some new magazines out, some new popular journals, and a lot of websites where this stuff is getting pushed out and, and talked about more actively. Uh, I think Facebook groups is, is one of those things where, you know, a lot of people come together and just social media in general, right? So it's, it's a thriving 
uh, subfield and more and more people seem to be touching it with their research. We had always made the point, and I think any military historian make this, but medieval military historians really make this point that you cannot learn about the Middle Ages without learning about warfare. It touches everything in that society. And for a long time, we, we were kind of preaching that gospel and people you know, looked at us and arched their eyebrows and said, yeah, 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 you know, fine. And I think they're finding more and more that it actually does. You see historians of things like memory, for example, starting now to look at memory of conflict. Well, if you're talking conflict and violence, you're talking warfare. Uh, and so you see these different subfields starting to interact and all of a sudden they're plumbing the books that we've been write, reading. And it's been really nice to see that. So I think the medieval warfare itself is a very healthy uh, subfield in the discipline. And what I'm doing right now in terms of the Crusades, um, Crusades have been just uber popular since 9-11. Uh, it has been um, exploding ever since then, particularly in America and in Britain. We're starting to see it now a little bit in France. We're seeing a lot of it in Scandinavia, which is fantastic. More and more people coming on board to study the Crusades. One of my criticisms has been that most Crusade historians seem to do everything they can to avoid talking about the actual warfare on the Crusades. Um, I think that's starting to change. I, I'm not sure, but I, I have a sense that it is. I'm starting to see some very good works come out from people that I would not have classified as military historians in the past. I would have said, well, maybe they're a cultural historian of the crusade or an institutional historian of the crusade um, or even an intellectual historian of the crusade. And now they're starting to come out with some really nice works on warfare and approaching it from directions that um, I think standard operational military historians and even war and society folks haven't thought to do. So there's new works, for example, on um, memory of the Crusades, emotions on the Crusade, um, masculinities on the Crusades. Some of it can get a little bit too theoretical for my tastes, but on the other hand, when you take to take masculinity, for example, if you're talking about warriors on the battlefield and how they approach the military craft, talking about things like bravery, cowardice, imaging, posturing, how they want to look to people. We know this happens in modern militaries. Of course it happened during the Crusades. Uh, and so some of that stuff is, is, is really nice and is helping us to, uh, to, to shape the contours of the field. And so, so that, in general, I think I, we're seeing an, a lot of activity and it's opening up new vistas for exploration. I think that's a good thing. Oh, very exciting. Uh, thank you for joining us today, Dr. Hostler. My pleasure. Please be sure to check out our other podcast, A Confused Heap of Facts, where we sit down with military historians from the Department of Military History and special guests to talk about topics in military history. 